0: Today is August 5th, Season 3, Episode 25, Decky Limber. How are we? Oh, Andy spare tire. we're having a
1: phenomenal start to our day here uh, with the 25th episode with Josh Scheffner, the founder of Blue Mangoes and then also founder of recently AgriCycle. It's a lot to unpack, but put it simply here, he is making the most of the over-farming in Africa by enabling other farmers and women who are growing these mangoes or coconuts or whatever they're growing and turning it in and using the waste that they normally would have and turning it into product and helping their whole system all together it is an incredible story the kids in the target incubator out here in Minnesota
0: which is why we're able to even talk with them and the kids got one hell of a story. Turning overproduced goods into a useful product is awesome. Josh, kudos to you for getting inside that market. And I love how we get connected with these people, like Clay connecting us with this. Shout out to season two, episode six or something like that. Whatever he is. With, uh, Yo Eats with Clay Bertalek. Go back and listen to that one too. But this one is a hell of a ride and an awesome conversation. Enjoy. Hey, Deck. I got to be real with you. You got some of the worst apparel in the game out there. I would love to see you customize some shirts that just say, I have bad style. Mmm, decky bad style.
1: Let's make those shirts the shock value would be insane. However, you know, turnaround time and quality, it needs to be there.
0: That's a great point. I mean, we could launch this tomorrow with our own goddamn sponsor.
1: Oh, I didn't even think of that. What? Well, well, actually, I did because I wrote this ad, dude. But that's besides the point.
0: And with that being said, be on the lookout for some Decky Bad Style shirts and other custom apparel from the BP. But also, if you're like, man, I need to find someone to make great custom apparel for me, look no further. Hit us up at BackPocket at VisionaryMFG.com. That's B-A-C-K-P-O-C-K-E-T at VisionaryMFG.com. Today on the Back Pocket Podcast, let's welcome Josh Scheffner. How are you doing today? Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah,
1: absolutely, brother. So Blue Mangoes, we got Cycle, we got everything going on. Um, where do we start, dude? Where do we even start?
2: <laughs> uh, I normally start in Africa. You start just... in Africa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah.
1: you're how old right now? Uh,
2: 22. 22.
1: Okay, sweet. We're 23, not to brag. Michael Jordan here. Um, but... Yeah, so, you, so starting in Africa, when did uh, I so did it start with blue mangoes then, or how did it all kind of unpack?
2: Yeah, it did. So we had this idea to take food that normally went to waste and turn it into something more than that. And it wasn't just preserving it. It was creating a market for it. So that's where blue mangoes came from. It okay. was a brand of dried fruit, and that's what it is. Uh, but then the idea kind of grew up from there. That's where AgriCycle comes from.
1: Okay. So. Dude, that's freaking awesome. And then you went to... Uh, School in Milwaukee, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Studied uh engineering.
1: Dang dude, that's super cool. And then uh from Chicago too, right?
2: Uh pretty far out, but yeah. Okay. Farthest uh stop on the northwest line.
0: Okay. Whereabouts?
2: Uh Crystal Lake McHenry.
0: Okay. Do you know where that is,
1: Andrew?
2: Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm on the northwest line. Okay. I'm on uh, Mount Prospect. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wild, <laughs> man. A little closer to the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Much
2: nicer. I, I took the train in every morning for a summer. Yeah, an internship. At hour an and a half, year. probably. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> half
0: that's hour drive was. to
2: get there. Hour and a half train ride right in. Fifteen minute walk.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. That's not a bad walk though. Once you get in. No, no, no. Yeah. It
2: was a. Uh, it was Kitty Corner to the
0: Sears Tower. And so. you and you walk in and it feels like Mecca. I mean, yeah. it's the coolest <laughs> thing when you exit out of Ogilvy Train Station uh, and you just feel Chicago. I and love that it.
2: that French Market. Right downstairs. Yeah, that was. Dude, you can't pass that. I mean, every (laughs) single time
0: you do pass, like
1: I'll do it today. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to know, like, you from a engineering perspective, because I was a mechanical engineer, Mm -hmm. and now kind of in a job where I'm not doing as much, I guess, like old school engineering, like calculations and you know derivation, like all that kind of stuff that comes along with engineering. Oh, is that the same for you? Where you're running Blue Mangoes, kind of wearing all the different hats how has have you utilized like your engineering degree in with blue mangoes and everything you're doing
2: yeah so i stopped engineering like 2 years ago okay so wow. um,
1: did you get your degree or are you still i think you have a, you still I have a couple
2: outstanding classes okay. yeah, yeah yeah i finished my design courses 2 years ago okay. um but i've just had like management and leadership and like finance like 201 or something that i still have to finish okay um but with engineering inside of blue mangoes and Agricycle, i stopped doing that like two years ago other people have taken that up I, I was doing the original designs on the dehydrators they work without electricity they're built out of local materials um it uses passive solar convection um okay so the designs for that have kind of stopped on my side but i've kept using what i learned like the engineering process and everything yeah. and the rest of the business so yeah. it's a lot of product development um And use cases and appropriate design is something we really focus on, which is like, it's kind of like user experience. User experience is like, let's think of the end user using it. Appropriate design is like really focused on the empathy side of it. And it's like, okay, in these communities, what is going to prevent, like, what is every tiny thing that is going to prevent somebody from using our dehydrator? And that's from the height that they have to lift up to, to put a tray into it, to, how many materials is it going to use to how long does it take to drive if it's if it goes too far into the midday then that's going to affect the rest of their daily duties right so yeah so that's that's how we still use it
1: wow so you're basically come up with like every sort of like roadblock <laughs> to basically get over and, yeah and yeah. using that as the basis of your design so you said it's a solar passive solar convection
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. how does that work um so it's based off of chimneys hot air rises so yeah you have a tunnel that's kind of slanted like this. Okay. So, um, The sun beats down on the top of it, which is a clear plastic, and the bottom of it is black, um, some sort of thermal mass a lot of times, yep. and so the air gets into the tunnel and it heats up, and we put baffles in it so that the air has to wind up. Yeah, it gets
1: turbulent, turbulent exactly. convection flow, <laughs> heats up, and dehydrates your food.
2: Yep, so it goes Beautiful. up into the trays and hot air dehydrates it wow that is super cool and so that's the basis
1: that's your design or the basis of your design to dehydrate the waste this quote-unquote waste overproduced fruit in africa yeah wow that is amazing dude so so you that was this has been a two year in the running deal making all this stuff or
2: it was three years three years i've done my research dude that's (laughs) so
1: we're Andrew and I are still rookie podcasters sitting here. I think we're almost to 200 episodes. But how you ask questions is like we got to be better at it. So instead of like Same. throwing out the assumption of like, oh, I think he's ran his company for two years, I would just ask, how long have you been running your company? It seems like it's been quite some time.
0: You yeah, know, that's when your, your market research can be answered by the guests. But yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, that cracks me up. <laughs> um, so take me back to sitting in your design classes and you're first starting to get this inclination of blue mangoes um maybe you're passing along to your your parents or your best friends and just kind of like workshop this idea how how did
2: that process start to cultivate hmm. so i studied structural engineering not mechanical so everything i know about dehydrators is learned off the internet and off of like two classes i took wow um youtube university yeah <laughs> uh but i was a part of engineers without borders which is a nonprofit that it's kind of like Doctors Without Borders, just the engineers version. Um so we were working in Guatemala and I was helping to design a bridge there. Um a lot of infrastructure was destroyed in a almost 30 year civil war in Guatemala. So uh we work in the mountainous region um in the department of Quiche, Hoyaba. Um it's ethnic Mayans mostly um and so when I was there that's when I started to see all this fruit waste. And I got this idea of like, okay, like this is such a, like a mango is a fifty at least if it's organic in the U.S. And it was just all laying around going to, going to waste. So that's where I got the idea. It didn't come from a class. It came from what I was doing for my actual degree. It was that structural engineering that like put me in that position to see everything that was happening. And then I, I came back and came up with an idea. Right on. And so you,
0: you, you saw the problem. And you not, you didn't have the solution necessarily right away yeah um what was kind of, what was the team that kind of helped get the the this ball
2: rolling um to to help you get this process kick started yeah the the team has changed a lot um it was like a, it was an all student team at the start of it uh some from my school some from a couple neighboring schools and are you the head of the team yeah okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and so we were moving forward with this concept of, if we build dehydrators, we will help people have fruit. And if they have fruit, everything will be better, right? Like they'll have more food, more nutrition, et cetera. Um, our assumption was wrong in that they wanted more fruit. That's not what they needed. They needed more money. Um, and so when we were focusing so much on just designing this dehydrator, we were missing out on the rest of the chain which was essentially getting it to a market and everything in between. So getting it food safety certified, getting the supply chain down, creating a brand. Um, So that's what the team early on didn't get. And then we morphed into that. And everyone who's been on that journey of morphing into it, they're still around. So there's still some students, but we have so many new people on the team too. And I'm guessing a wide variety, not just engineers such as yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Engineers are definitely the minority now. Okay. Yeah, that's funny with
0: us. Declan's the engineer, and I'm the business major. Uh, so we play off each other in that way, where he sees the design, you see the design, and then it's my job to figure out how to get it to market, or in retrospect, how to make it a business type thing. Yep. Uh, so it's, it's a fun game to play, and it's hard to like balance those personalities at times.
2: Yeah, uh, I think for me, for, for, for this team, we've spent so much time making sure that everyone's different. Like we're all aligned on the same mission, but everyone has a very different personality, um, very different ways that we work with each other. So I think that's really helped. So what was
1: like the initial first steps? You have this idea, you come up with like your design, um, you then kind of realize some of this market, uh, or that you've only saw. You're only saw. You've only been looking at one piece of the pie per se. Um, walk me through kind of like your first initial test and then how that kind of. Uh, grew into what it is now
2: yeah so we built this really big dehydrator we're still pretty sure it's the biggest in the world in panama um we were excited we thought you know this was it we built this massive machine it's like 12 feet high um yeah (laughs) and it it had like 27 square meters of drying capacity so it was it was a lot um but That, I think, was the point where we realized we needed to change toward that full cycle. So we saw that we were drying the fruits, but there was all this leftover. Like for a mango, you use about 40% of the, the fruit to dry it. And then the other 60% is like the peel, this leftover meat, the, the kernel on the inside, mm-hmm. um, the juice that runs out of it just even when you're cutting it. And all of that was still going to waste. So we saw more products in those. And you know, with each of our other fruits, there's more products for them. So I think that was the first thing. Um, the second is that we realized our dehydrators were just too big. <laughs> yeah. And it was more based off of like how big could we get it, how much could we dry, and it wasn't based off of, you know, this really fits the community. And what we started to do now is we build much smaller units that are a little more efficient. Um, uh, but really it it fits within how they want to use it. They want to have two people use a dehydrator in the early morning they don't want to have six people fill up this massive machine for the whole day
1: wow okay so you basically started to see more i mean in in their eyes it was waste but in your eyes it was like products like these are now things that i can make what are some examples of like different products that you've made out of just this whole process
2: yeah so with coconut you can take the meat of it turn it into dried coconut right You've probably had some of that, um, or it's definitely been snack bars that you've had. But the rest of it normally goes to waste. Coconut oil can be used as a beauty product in America, but it's better used as a local cooking oil um, just because it doesn't need as high of a purity, and it's also um, it's a pretty valuable commodity. Uh, the shell can actually be turned into a charcoal. And that's one of the businesses yeah, have, yeah yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that's one of the businesses that we have so um uh by creating the charcoal out of the shell it burns hotter than normal charcoal it lasts longer than it and you're not cutting down trees which is how normal charcoal is made you just slash and burn um instead with us with the coconut charcoal you're just using what would have gone to waste so mm. that's how we're using the shells that's just one example like papaya seeds are turned into a medicine that help with intestinal parasites proven 100% effective by American research. Um we have uh the peels of mangoes there's a chemical in them that you can turn into an organic insecticide. The seeds of mangoes are an important ingredient in chicken feeds that we're creating. So so everything has a very important use. And are you watching like Planet Earth to figure out because <laughs> I'm, I'm like thinking how the
0: hell are you figuring out papaya seeds are curing these parasites? uh and it's not 100 (laughs) percent effective that blows my mind
2: yeah yeah um most of the research does not come from us it's from partners that we have pointing us in the right direction um we're talking with actually some of the scientists who did that research right now for the papaya seeds uh everything is come from someone uh they're on the team or they're a partner of ours um not off of TV, but yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: Planet Earth, dude. I, I was that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um so you're going through this whole process while you're still still in school. Yep. How is that process like working? I know that you ran into some like crazy situations where you almost got expelled.
2: Yeah. Um <laughs> We do our research. Yeah. Definitely. So um that's the first time I've had to actually answer that on air. Uh yeah, so um I that was with that early team. Okay. That early team that was focused on the engineering. Yeah. I was in the honors program at my school. Um I had a lot of leadership positions and everything. It was it was going very well. Uh I totally wanted to be a structural engineer. This was definitely just a passion of mine. And through the process of like just pushing it, I, I was asked to be in charge of the honors program for the uh living learning side of it. So being an RA but also um doing the the hands-on project academic portion of it it's a year-long program at, at the school and they work on a on a project so I was asked to kind of run that project for half the students and it was based on blue mangoes at the time it was based on this model and people came to me with like hey can I make this uh water purifier the works without electricity I'm like sure and somebody was like hey I found that this chemical in mango peels can be turned into an insecticide like can i can i work on that i'm like sure so it really was just it became like a a space for anyone who wanted to work on something and the promise was that you know if you do that we'll actually go and do it because that's what blue mango is based on it's on actually going to these places meeting people changing our designs to actually fit them and then trying to help them that that was the early stages my school hated that um (laughs) they they loved the idea of it being a project they loved the idea of it being something that we wanted to do but then once we showed them plane tickets and once we said like yeah we're going uh they freaked out um really
1: yeah so you just went ahead and like expensed it
2: yeah um so are you talking about like
1: well when you showed them like plane tickets and stuff like you had already built out the whole process of like yeah idea creation go there for your uh what was the, the empathy test or yeah, yeah. go there to start to figure out your first redesigns and then physically going there. So you got as far as the physical part. That's yeah. Crazy. Was so, there like a professor approving all these things? And then they, when you took it up to the higher, the higher ups, that's when they got shot down or how did that kind of shake out?
2: Yeah. So that was one of their issues. Um, I tried to have this one specific professor be involved with everything, but Yeah, he was super busy. He loved hearing the updates always gave me like the the room to do whatever i needed for blue mangoes but it it kind of stopped there he wasn't able to really get involved so i had a ring of mentors that were professors um and it would be like hey i have this business plan great submit it two weeks later i get a draft back or like my markups on this draft back and i mark it up for two weeks and then i send it back and it was like this super long process the point is i had a mentor for business i had a mentor for entrepreneurship and and legal stuff i had a mentor for you know the thermodynamics and the design of the, right. the machine like yeah, yeah. everyone made sense for what they're helping with uh
1: just like everyone made sense with the different products that you're finding you're yeah. basically running an entire business <laughs> with mentors within your own school that is super cool
2: yeah thanks uh they hated that so i know that. that's <laughs> yeah what I'm like, i can
1: totally see why like yeah schools would be like oh man this is this kid's really running with all the resources we actually have
2: right so they thought that I was trying, by segmenting what I was talking to each professor about, which was their expertise, like to the thermo professor, I would talk about the design. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They thought I was trying to hide the whole picture from them, and that we actually intended on going to these countries. So their biggest issue is that we actually planned on doing what we kept talking about. They thought it was always a project. They thought it was a nice thing that they could talk, like, you know, I was in pamphlets and stuff that they would send out on the website. Blue Mangoes, this great student project, but... Uh, that really changed. Yeah. Once they, once I, there were these Chinese, uh, there's this delegation from China of education ministers. Um, they were visiting four schools in America to learn about undergraduate engineering education. And I was the only student that, that my school asked to speak to them. And they asked for me to get some students from that honors program that was working on all those different things. And we presented it to them. And it's like, They've been doing this for seven weeks and they already were prototyping most of the stuff that they were doing. And it was like senior design level yeah. designs, right? So um not something that you'd expect out of out of a freshman before they even know like what their engineering degree is really about. Yeah. Um so when we were there, that's when the administrators heard the full picture. Because we presented the full picture to the ministers and we were like, We're so proud of this, this is what my school's letting us do. Like, we're gonna go to Senegal, we're gonna go to Panama. And then there were administrators in the back of the room that were like, "Whoa, like, no, you're not, no, you're not." <laughs> um, so then meeting after meeting after meeting, I uh, had to resign from my jobs that like carried the scholarships, the RA stuff, and everything, and uh, um, that was pretty tough. But in the end, uh, well, when you say resigning
1: from your scholarships and all the, so you're basically like forfeiting or foregoing all was, the my like,
2: my my ra scholarship so it okay, was like yeah so it, it was like i wasn't allowed to represent the university if i was doing this was there was their thing okay um and so finally i'm like huddled up in my room and this one guy who's gonna go on the trip to panama with me walks in he's like so are we going or not i already bought my boots and that was the moment that i literally like opened up my laptop bought the tickets and was like you know fuck it we're gonna go
0: nice <laughs> dude
2: <laughs> and is, is this guy still with you yeah yeah that's yeah. so this cool track.
0: I just bought my boots we going that's perfect man boots on the ground (laughs) that's a that's a ringer dude you got put through a little mental ringer and I can't believe that at a university level that they were disappointed that you were using your resources to the optimal way like you were literally being as efficient as possible and they couldn't put the pieces together because you were moving so fast probably and you were all kind of all over the place and they lacked the the uh, the drive to actually put the pieces together themselves they wanted it presented to them and when you finally did they were they were just starstruck <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah I kind of think of it from like the it's so easy for universities to like promote the like the basis of the project with the assumption that it's not going to take off in the first three months or however long mm-hmm. that they were allowing but the to Andrew's point and to your point the optimization of everybody's best talents to basically build this thing out as fast as you did is incredible man like that is so freaking cool and i totally relate to what you're saying with like having to go to all these different professors for help because when we were we had a senior design course um where we were building a wind turbine and like i don't know anything about wind energy and any of that stuff but there's plenty of professors that do so you go to each one for each individual type thing and that's how Mm -hmm. you build your project so that I mean, that is just so cool that you're able to just turn it on right away and go after it. So then, take me. So you buy that pl- ticket, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> out right, of your yeah. own money. You're mm-hmm. no longer representing the university. You got yep. blue mangos like ready to roll. You got your product. You go
2: over to Africa. What's what happens then? Yeah. So that that ticket was to Panama. Um, oh, Panama. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Uh, so that was where we learned everything that we were doing wrong. Right. It was this massive dehydrator. It was not focused on the business it was focused on the engineering um so that was the perfect lesson for us and it was in partnership with this organization that was going to handle the business side of everything so we came back from that learn you know having learned everything we needed we finished up that year of college and that's when we jumped into it and you know like, that was that was still freshman year oh no no, no that was my junior year junior no, yeah, year. yeah, yeah okay, gotcha yeah. so then my my senior year this past year We've gone from just being in Panama to now being in Panama, Jamaica, Haiti, Liberia, uh, Uganda, Kenya, Tanzania. We're being asked for a contract in Mali right now. So uh, we're working with like 11,000 farmers So in, in our network. And it's just totally changed how we've done it. And it's mostly been because I'm not waiting for a business professor to get a business plan back to me. Yeah. It was we, we got into an accelerator. We got into G-Beta. Um, and it was not you know, a two year process to create a business plan. It was like three days to create a like canvas and just, you know, test it. Mm So um and with you entering all these
0: new cities and new countries, are you is this another area where people outside of you are kinda like pointing you in the right direction and then your team kind of gathers all the research and then
2: you take that next step. How how is that expansion model going? Yeah. So part of the team deals with that now. Um specifically their backgrounds are in international relations got a Peace Corps volunteer we have people who have developed supply chains out of West Africa so a um, uh, nutritional and, and uh, agribusiness background too so so that team manages different regions of partnerships for us um, and that's not that was like the most fun thing for me but it, it's something that people who really know what they're doing now are in yeah. charge of and that's that's how we're growing growing with that. At the same time, we have partners, too. So big partners like the U.S. State Department helping us in Liberia to, like, USAID, the World Food Program, helping us in Uganda, stuff like that. That's incredible. Thanks. I cannot believe there's the like kind of the,
0: and you're in G-Beta, so it, like, proves its model, but the acceleration mm-hmm. of your, of Blue Mangoes and then getting into, correct me, uh, the title of the agriculture. Ag- agri- Agri-Cycle? agri yep. Um, Yep. Take me to the progression of that. With well, within Blue
2: Mangoes, you're starting to see another gap, and you take on uh, yeah. your next venture. Yeah. So it was Blue Mangoes up until like February of this year. Okay. And it switched when we realized like we we can create flowers out of out of fruit. So uh, coconut flour and banana flour are pretty normal as alternative flowers. They're gluten free. Uh, it, it's not based off of rice is really the main thing. Almond flour is really popular too. But we can make breadfruit flour, which is like a, it's a green scaly potato. (laughs) It's the only starch that grows from a tree. Um, And we can make coffee flour and all of these are things that also go to waste. And we can make them a lot of times out of the rest of the fruit that we're not able to dry. So there's a second product that we can create. And then the charcoal is this third product we can create. We can create wines from part of the fruits that we don't use. We can create snack bars from the flour and the dried fruit put together. There's all these different ways to create products. And that's when we created AgriCycle, mixing up agriculture and recycling. And the idea is that we're going to find a use as much as we can have it market-based. But we're going to find a use for every single thing that we can get out of this fruit. And that is all to benefit the women and the farmers that we're working with.
1: Damn. I
2: mean, that is just like... It's so cool that it's all recycled.
1: Like, the fact that you're basically taking what was waste and turning it into gold, essentially.
2: Yeah. And, like, I haven't even talked about the waste, but... Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, yeah.
1: the original problem with the waste, like, what... uh what what was like the i guess the the bigger issue or the pro- what is the problem mm-hmm. with waste cuz everybody listening is probably like yeah i throw away <laughs> old fruit all the time like I, I probably don't even think twice about it some people will say it's biodegradable but i'd love yep. to hear what you what where it actually comes from
2: yeah so uh 2.8 trillion pounds of food is lost every single year like oh. 2.8 trillion um in sub-saharan africa per capita It's like 165 or 160 kilograms per year, like per person is lost. Uh, 95% of that is not because of the consumer. Uh, It's because they lack preservation technologies, better farming techniques, and market access. Their supply chains are too long with too little technology to actually get fresh produce to where it needs to go. And they're already totally oversaturated where they are. Like each mango tree grows a thousand mangoes. Each family in northern Uganda has five to 20 trees just laying around at their house. 15,000, 30,000, because it's one to 3,000 mangoes. Like a ton of mangoes in two months. Like you can't oh. do anything with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so they're
1: overproducing
2: big time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not even that a lot of these people are farming it knowing that they're going to overproduce their ancestral trees they have access to this natural resource they just don't have any of the technology or training to be able to take use of it so that's that's where we're coming in with the technology with the training and then with the market so yeah damn that's crazy you're
1: literally infiltrating an area and introducing everything including your own market yep. there's not like there's not other waste um, design type firms out there that are doing the same thing or trying to accomplish the same thing with recycling waste food,
2: I don't think anybody's trying to do. Nobody's integrated it like us. Where we're the full, like vertically and horizontally integrated across all different types of products and like the entire process. Where it's it's the technology, the training, and the market. I think those are the three main pieces. Yeah, and with the market comes branding. But there are groups that are designing dehydrators and trying to prevent food loss. They have no vision outside of that for where it goes. They say like you can sell it at a local market, but that that's as far as that company's involvement goes. They're just Mm. trying to sell a dehydrator. There are companies, or not not even companies, there are government agencies, there are nonprofits that do training for farmers that create dehydrators and train them on how to use them. But their job ends there. They have no way to connect them to a market because that's not their job and it's not their expertise. Then there's companies who buy dehydrated fruits they're buying it from plantations normally or like the ultimate source where it came from is plantations so it's not where this food loss is happening it's already a very mechanized highly efficient operation anywhere in the world and they're not having a problem with food loss and also when you're buying from them you're not really making an impact there's a large company that's eating up most of those profits before the farmers ever make a penny so there are people who are doing each piece of it. We're the ones tying it all together.
1: Wow, that's and, and you did it, and it's sounding like you're doing it exactly how you started the whole company with all your professors. You're taking each stage or each different process and using it, using them for their best ability. Yep. Where like the dehydrating, the the de- people who create the dehydrators are providing your dehydrator. You're utilizing local people to help train, mm-hmm. and then you're connecting the dots with the people that are buying from these plantations. You're just saying, hey, you should buy from the- these people. We're trying to help them out. It's going to make a bigger impact. And I'm assuming that you get a pretty good response when you say that to people.
2: Yeah. 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 So that, that final piece, we're creating our brands, right? So that's yeah. blue mangoes. That's do good bakery. That's uh, tropical ignition. The, that's the dried fruits, the fruit flowers, the charcoal. Yeah. And so we're creating brands and now we're trying to sell them. So like we just launched on Kickstarter in May. That was Saw really that. successful. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, that was like the very first time that we've been able to sell anything. It's, it's a really long journey to get something ready for export, to get all the certifications we need. Um, so we're the ones that are trying to create that market now. Um, that's really helping with some of the accelerators that we got into.
0: Gotcha. And that might answer my next question, but it was going to be, what's your day-to-day look like right now?
2: Yeah. Um, so in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. uh, not originally where I'm from, but I'm up here because of um, Target, because of the Target Incubator. They had just launched that. Uh, I think their tagline was Gen Z-minded social entrepreneurs with products that are better for people and the planet.
0: Talk so, about a headline grab. Yeah. Oh,
2: my gosh, <laughs> oh that's a mouthful. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's great. Clickbait. <laughs> so yeah, right. So it was like a perfect fit for what we were doing. Um, we applied. Um, my girlfriend actually, she had a targeted Instagram ad uh, that popped up and she's like, oh, hey, you do Stuff like this, right? I'm like, yes, this is perfect. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's no what no I way. do for a living. So, someone got to the right spot. <laughs> <Yep>. That's awesome. <laughs> so, hey, so, like, that's some bottom of the funnel. <laughs> that's glory. That's glory. <laughs> yeah. So, I jumped in, I applied, we got in. Uh, we were asked to be silent about it for like five months. They announced in May that, yeah, these people are coming next month to Minneapolis. We show up. Um, crazy. Like, we, have so much access to mentors there to the buyers to learn about like how can we actually get this into stores um the process and just they're helping redesign our brands and just make them better too so that's what we're doing right now that's that's a lot of my day-to-day um raising money right now it's the first time we've ever done that uh so we're raising around it's been going well actually um yeah, so walk yeah walk me
1: through that a little bit how's it been you know going from creating something to now trying to not sell it but just like try and get monetary value so they can keep yeah. pushing it forward. How's it been trying to re-
2: seed like that? So I've done that for a little while with like trying to go for small grants yeah little tiny competitions uh, it's worked out like five grand tier 10 grand tier. This is the first time I've actually tried to bring real money into the company to wow. you know we figured out this entire model now We are ready to go but it's all built been built off of like my summer internship money. It's been built off of those tiny little grants. Yeah. So we're trying to raise 1.2 million. Uh, we're at 400 K right now. So congrats. Thank you. Yeah. So it's been good progress. I had no idea how to do any of this, right. I have advice from friends like clay and, and accelerators, G beta, um, that have been helping me just kind of figure out this whole world, uh, I've gotten a really good response in a way that I didn't think I would based off of how I present the company and how I answer their questions. Just complete transparency. Like, I will openly talk about, yeah, we're not fully even finished with this like brand yet. The Do Good Bakery, that's still a temporary name. Like, we have no idea how we're going to brand our fruit flowers right now. But I can tell you that the markets are growing like this. We have this access. The story is working for the dried fruits. It should work for the flowers too. I hope. Here's like my assumptions. And I just, I'm not really trying to bullshit anyone. Yeah. Um I'm just very open with it and with some investors it's really worked. So yeah. Oh, and I thought I thought awesome. going into it I had to completely like put up this front of of everything is peachy like yeah. professionalism
1: yeah. almost weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a pitch, you know. Like we were talking about that the other day. We were going in for a pitch and we're like, "Can we just like sit down and have a couple <laughs> of croys and talk about like back pocket and how we want to help your own clients brands mm-hmm. grow?" Like I love where you're attacking from where it's just like, yeah, we don't really have this part like built out quite yet, but it sounds like the response in terms of the why behind all of it, they can clearly see the types of pieces and parts that you're putting together. So as long as you have that, it sounds like these guys are all in. Yeah. How, what have been some of those like initial responses that made you like question or they, they challenged you in a certain way to then grow or be a little bit better,
2: tweak something. The most challenging question I get every time is, what's my exit strategy? Because they ask that, not just in a typical... So, for anyone, I guess, anyone who's listening, exit strategy is like, you start a company, investors put in money, they're expecting get it, to get a big return. So how are you going to get that big return for them? What what capital event, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, and so that's either an IPO going public, that's getting bought up by another company. There are a few new ways to try to pay investors back, but the two main ones... Well also failing. But the two the two main successful ones are public and being bought up. They're asking me that question, not just out of their curiosity or, you know, like interest in okay, how are you gonna make my money? They're asking because they're wondering if I'm like so much of a humanitarian that I never want to make their money back. I wanna keep investing Mm. everything into these communities that we work in, into the women in our cooperatives. You know, how am I gonna get their money back if what I've told them so much is about my values and what the values of this company are. Damn. So yeah, <laughs> it's pretty hard, right? Because mm-hmm. you'd think that I have to now walk back everything I was talking about. No 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 like I'm a greedy like capitalist, totally gonna get you your money. This is just deployed it. No. So my answer every time is is based off of um based off of honesty. Honesty built a brand around their transparency in their supply chain and who they're impacting. They're impacting smallholders, people who farm off of the number changes, but like not a lot of land. Um, And they do fair trade, uh, which is based off of paying better prices and that price not fluctuating with the market. The farmers are kind of the first to get the benefit and everyone else is just hoping that they make their money. Honesty built a brand off of that Coca-Cola bought them. Coca-Cola bought them. They've x their sales, and they haven't been able to change a single thing about their supply chain. It's still all ethically sourced, transparent supply chain. They're just selling 10 times more of it, which is 10 times more impact. So because Honest Tea was so upfront about their brand and what they stood for, they were safe in being bought up by the big monster Coca-Cola because they couldn't change a single... Uh, one of the good things about it, all they could do is just sell more of it.
0: Yeah. If Coca-Cola went the length to change honesty, then it wouldn't be the brand that why it was making so much money to begin with exactly. and Coca-Cola
2: would lose money. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's the example and, and also the dream for where any of these brands go is that we grow so big that somebody else somebody else can take it way farther. Somebody else has way more infrastructure, way more money behind them that they can keep growing the brands that we're creating. Our goal is to make them so transparent, so ethical just from the start that they can't walk back on that commitment. And I think that's why people are liking what we're doing. That I am so fired up with that (laughs) because in today's day and age, like
0: that wins every time with social media, with the internet, you can get anything you want. And if you had a secret, if you had something behind the curtain, that was pretty impactful that you're trying to keep away from these investors it will be found and maybe not tomorrow maybe not in a year probably in 10 years and then you're you're per, you as a person and then all of your brands that follow are going to be uh looked negatively mm-hmm. and just going at it radically transparent and using that as the uh the crux of your business model i think is the coolest thing you're 22 years old and you're doing something that you love kudos to you man that's really awesome thank you yeah, yeah. that blows my mind man i think it's <laughs> It's, it's cool
1: because it's rooted so much in the why behind the whole thing. Mm -hmm. You could, there are so many products and there are so many different problems to solve that it could easily, you could easily get distracted and go a different route with it. Um, so I just really appreciate that you were able to like basically look inward on the whole purpose of the brand and just transparently and authentically sell that. That's freaking awesome. Mm -hmm. Oh,
0: man. And before we hit you with some back pocket core questions, I want to give our our intern, Ty, here a chance to ask you a question. Let's go. <laughs> how are do you
3: doing, Ty? <laughs> how,
1: do you, how do you like the new setup? Is, 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 is this working for you? Dude, it's good. First of all, it makes it so
3: much easier. I am. Well, so I used to have to, like, take this camera and go back and forth. So I'd be hunched over, like, m- I guess more in the conversation, but I'd be following, you know, the conversation back mm-hmm. and forth, which was like playing ping pong sometimes. So <laughs> now I get to sit back and relax and really enjoy the conversation. So you talked a little bit about – you know how you haven't finished school yet, and mm-hmm. now you've gone through all these accelerators, and, <laughs> yeah. and it's not a call-out. But I'm going to be a junior in school. I have some similar entrepreneurial tendencies. Where do you think traditional education has sort of fallen in the lineage hmm. of, of your career as an entrepreneur? Because it seems like just in the way that you talk, you've received more benefit from some of these accelerators that are a little less traditional. But at the same time, obviously, there's this undercurrent of people going to school. But does that benefit people still as an entrepreneur? I'd, I'd love to get your take on that.
2: Yeah. Uh, something I've been thinking about a lot. Definitely don't have the answer yet, but, <laughs> but I can tell you like some of my thoughts. First, for what I studied, I cannot imagine somebody reliably having a YouTube University degree on structural engineering. And they definitely would not be allowed to build a bridge, <laughs> um, but let alone just really understand everything behind it. So there's still a value for traditional education, first. Second of all, not for all majors. And i think i think that's really clear like there's a ton of degree paths that you can take so many of them i I can't imagine having to do all the homework for four years and everything and pretending that the value you're getting from that is better than one year of just diving deep into it and interning with like a fast-growing startup like i think that's the quickest way that you can probably learn and then going home and then watching youtube right Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and learning everything else um for for my path through college it was really weird i walked in thinking i was gonna get my master's degree and my bachelor's in four years i was on track to do it and then blue mangoes kind of took over and i was like okay hold on um failed the class because i didn't show up to the labs (laughs) uh had to retake that um uh set me back on my path started spreading my classes out more every year i thought i was gonna rebalance and get back to like finishing my degree and like I do I do well in my tests, that's not an issue. It was more of just like the time commitment. And every year blue mangoes grew and it got more and more involved and more and more serious. And now we're actually working in communities. People are actually relying on me. So every year that I got used to this new level of commitment outside of school, I had to well, I got screwed because that commitment grew. <laughs> so um from my path through college, I'm happy I did it how I did it. I'm not sure what I'm gonna do yet about those last classes uh, i my mom definitely wants me to have that degree <laughs> right um but i am I'm happy knowing what I know about structural engineering i'm I'm happy that I went to school and I'm happy that I'm not in school right now yeah I mean yeah. I will
3: say college se- college dropouts very sexy these days, so <laughs> you could maybe rebrand like that and just be like you know blue mangoes college dropout. Yeah, young, <laughs> young, hot entrepreneur on the street. <laughs> I mean, yes, yeah,
0: that's not. We could all give our hot takes on uh, education. Yeah, I'm curious, and we could go there if you want. But I'm before that, I will, I'm curious on how you were able to build kind of this like self awareness that you have been displaying throughout these this past fifty ish minutes. Um, because like ju- you you mentioned before even going into school, you were ready to get your undergraduate and master's degree in four years. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you start having this this pretty awesome fire in your belly to become this successful person and have this type of practical plan to go about it
2: yeah so it was actually the end goal was to work in international development and so i went to this leadership camp called boy state not sure yep okay cool he's yeah, in milwaukee okay. yeah. i went to badger boy state okay did you awesome. go to badger boy state premier illinois okay, okay. Same thing.
1: <laughs> this is the um, same thing that sam harridge is is like a leader at is the Badger Boys Gosh! Gotcha. Yep. Shout out
0: Sam Harridge's marketing intern spotlight number. I don't know, like <laughs> 30.
2: 30? 30? Yeah, we'll go
0: with 30. 30, just, yeah. just look for that. Mm-hmm. He's in there somewhere. It's a good interview.
2: But uh, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. So, so I'm a counselor there now, been counselor there for the past five years. But my citizen year, it, it's a mock state government run for a week. Governor shows up sometimes, state treasurer, stuff like that. It, it's run by the American Legion. The point is, is that the tagline is like a week to change a lifetime and it was for me i walked in there between my junior and senior of high school and it completely changed what i wanted to do uh i started thinking about okay i'm i'm good at these things i want to work in international development i want to help people um i want to get this global experience i wanted to work in security security is like international relations and everything then i was like not as like uh, Six or yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah 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 um way more policy based yeah. uh, so um but i was like hold on like i don't want to just go to school and study how people help people and advocate for a policy you know maybe that has more impact but i wanted to go and learn a skill that i could actually use to help people so that's why i decided to study structural engineering And that was my path, this four-year bachelor and master's. Be able to do two years, get experience outside of it, hopefully get my PE, my professional engineering license. After that, I'd be young enough to still not have any, like, close commitments that would keep me in America, basically, and I'd be able to jump outside of it, and I'd be able to go do all the development I I wanted to take part in. Um, I wanted to help design bridges. I wanted to help... um, earthquake resilient structures in nepal right like all of these things was that was my goal essentially like peace engineering yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah that's super cool man that is that is kind of i love how you had that realization because i don't think a lot of people have those kind of experiences their junior and senior year of high school and i feel like if more people had that kind of change in perspective or just kind of an experience i feel like that would help them so much more like it did for you Mm -hmm. because a lot of people will go through college much like maybe even some of myself and other people where you go through college trying to figure out what you want to do or what you'd love to do at the same time you're paying for uh, classes that you may have committed on on a different mindset where now it it, with you like you were you had kind of already gone through that mindset change before you made the commitment or finance and financial commitment to be a structural engineer Mm -hmm. And then what's even crazier is that now you go, you start to go through that process and then find out, hey, I'm not going to be designing bridges or earthquakes, resilient structures in Nepal. There's a whole different thing now that I found where I have to be creating a market. Yep. Like that is just, but it, it blows me away.
2: But it was, it was that, that realization or that, that thought process that I had yeah. in senior year of high school that that has not changed right. all the way through college. Right. That's just been like, your
1: consistent yeah. fuel source to take on the new unexpected thing that yeah. you didn't really recognize before. Damn. That's just so, I, I love, I, that is such a great example of like what more people need to hear. It's a big, like I would say that's a big societal problem of just like in the United States, the, this capitalist society we live in is very opposite from Europe. Like we all, live to work in the United States. We all they call it the 40-hour work week, but we're working 50-60. And then our roommate downstairs who's right below us, he got his 80 hours in this week as a as mechanical engineer.
0: The two yeah. the old two in one. The two for one, you know, two in <laughs> one. It's a two
1: in one and it's a doubleheader. and he loves to tell you about that. So, um, but brilliant kid. But this idea of like he loves it, man. Like he loves going to par systems every day and being a control systems engineer and a whole talk our year off about it every Friday and I love it. But he loves that, and he's putting in the time to do that. That's what a lot of success, in quotes, in America, like kind of wants. But in Europe, it's the exact opposite. It's like you want to live, or you want to work to live. So yep. Put in your 30 hours as a waitress so you can go travel elsewhere in Europe or something. So what you went through is like, hey, like find what you love so you can work to live, or live to work. I forget how it all works, but you you get what I'm getting at. It's so cool yeah. to flip it on its head and really try and attack it and now look where you are dude you're freaking 22 doing like some of the coolest most interesting work that we've probably ever had on this podcast to be honest Mm -hmm.
0: thank you yeah Yeah. it's not all sunshine and roses (laughs) there there are times where you do fail you do see some Mm yeah some hiccups but this is a unique question that we get to ask every single guest and it's the crux of who we are we're ordinary average guys with an extraordinary passion to share awesome stories with people such as yourself Um, and we ask every single guest what is their average quality and this is something that they do well at times and other times not so well at the end of the day it's your average quality so Josh what is your average quality
2: Hmm. I even like I I watched the podcast before this I was (laughs) like okay I gotta figure out what they're gonna ask me Um, I still it's tough Uh, I think I think my best guess at what my average quality is right now is my dedication. Mm. And like, I've, I've definitely presented pretty hard on like how passionate I am about everything and how dedicated I am to it. But there, and I, I drive hard like every day. I'm always trying to like, think like, okay, like get up, like let's do this. Like, um, you know, wake up early in the morning, show up to work, work late. Um, my average quality is that I get burnt out mm. and that I need to pull back. I need to not go into work in the morning. I need to take a day off. It. <laughs> I wish that I could just keep going. And I wish like this mythos of like works every day out of the week, does not stop, works 14 hours a day. Like I wish that works all the time. Mm-hmm. But my average quality is like now there's some days that I can only do six. And then I'm just checked out, and I have to, you know, go have fun. So I think I think that's my my average quality.
0: No, yeah. yeah, that's that's a great answer, and that's super hard to balance, right? Because you care about this so much, and you got a lot of stakeholders involved. So you want to make sure you got cover all your bases with them. And when you do take that one hour break to sit down and breathe, during that time your head's racing like, what if someone sees me taking this break right now? Or am I am I letting down everyone else because I'm taking this break? That is very difficult to take on, and that's something I didn't even yeah. think about while you were walking me through all these things that you've already accomplished and, and, and are trying to accomplish. Wow, Josh, that's tough, man. Yeah. At 22 years old, too. <laughs> and you're up here, I'm guessing, relatively by yourself in the Twin Cities, New City?
2: Yeah. Um, I have one of my co-founders with me, actually. Okay, so okay. we So, we're in the same um, apartment. So, the same thing, that, I didn't even mention it, but, like, him his perception of me before is definitely different than after and not, not that it's worse, but that the you percep- say,
1: you've changed, man. Did he say that a lot to you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I don't know. No, he hasn't. But like, I, I know that it's different because before it was this perception of, you know, he sees me on Slack, like my green lights on like 24 seven, there's messages popping out all the time. There's like group updates, there's emails he gets CC'd on. Um, he sees that it's just work all the time and he doesn't see the rest of it now he sees that when i get home there's like an hour of i don't even watch what's on the screen that i just put on but like i'm just melting my mind i'm just like i need to get everything i'm thinking out of my head like he sees that too he's like oh okay like you're on the couch like watching tv it's like yeah i just need to clear my head so yeah um different Mm-hmm. yeah you're
0: you're actively trying to make some subtle changes right now is, is basically what you're saying right
2: yeah okay yeah and and he's seeing that too and and you know i haven't lived with any of my co-founders before so like right. it's different it's i guess transparency in a different way too for sure yeah i definitely don't like actively talk to the team about how i take breaks <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah right so but they're so necessary yeah
1: i find that i mean we We deal with that all the time when you got to bang out. I mean, these podcasts take about eight hours to produce, start to finish. So when you start backlogging your time on like when you're going to be spending these eight hours Mm -hmm. in the next week to produce this podcast, you really have to, I stress myself out all the time over it. Like if it's not done by certain days, then I start to like, then the closer and closer it gets to those days, the more I think about it. Yeah. And so it's just like this weird, um, indirectly proportional like uh model where like the closer time gets the more my not i guess i don't know i guess i guess it would be anxiety but either way i think it's when you do take those times to just like again melt your brain away that was funny that you said that. <laughs> yeah. but like when you do take those like serious times to like release you come back with like 10 times more energy
0: yeah right and when you do take these breaks as we've mentioned you, you feel like you're letting some stakeholders down and that's when uh pressure is becoming stress and anxiety is rising and you are struggling a little bit but you i'm curious if you have something time and time again that you reach into your back pocket and to help you overcome these situations This is a question we ask all our guests it's what's in your back pocket
2: yeah uh chess definitely nice oh i love that okay yeah player yep definitely Um... We, we
0: both did chess club Same school. I was
2: a first board for three years. I was was, uh,
0: elementary (laughs) elementary school, third and through fifth grade. Okay, (laughs) I got kicked out of
1: a chess competition one time. That was (laughs) okay. All right, all right.
2: Sorry. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So uh, chess, I love it. I've played it since I was like four or five. Um, Grandma and dad taught me. Within a year, I was like, "Why are Why are you doing that?" Like, I didn't understand. Like, I just got better and and Started competing. Um, It was great in high school. That was my thing chess club. Um, uh, This guy was like my older brother to me and everything, or like like a mentor and everything. He was a senior. I was a freshman. He made it like okay to do that and everything because he was on the lacrosse team too. So it was like, uh, I play lacrosse, but also I play chess. Like, it's okay to be a nerd. Um, So that was really cool. Did that. uh, Started going to state and everything, and it was fun. Point is, is that when i get stressed out i play chess and it's like it's it's just helped like uh there's this friend that i have now that we met at a competition um he works downtown minneapolis um in the we work building i think one of them um so we uh meet up to play chess now um like once a week so yeah that's that's what's in my backpack. before
1: you leave um you should go down to i'll show you where it's at after this but there's this guy named Dan Butner who went to St. Thomas, and he's got this sick house right on the lake of uh, of the Isles down here. Okay. And on his front porch, he's got a chess set that's just built into the side of this rock. And Andrew and I go and play there every once in a while. I would that's suggest awesome. that, like all the we'll pieces. We'll take you there. We'll yeah. take you there. Like literally, the pieces <laughs> are all set out for you to play. And Perfect. it's just and like this. There's like a, just a sign that says "Welcome to the Blue Zones," which is like his whole like book thing around longevity and life and everything
0: and we and we'll eat davani's pizza
1: yeah we'll eat davani's pizza and just freaking go after some chess and then you can scholars move andrew because he doesn't he's not gonna pick it up right away (laughs) no i won't
0: pick up a lot of it i usually get destroyed by that's what
1: it's called
2: right the scholars move
1: uh the one where you're talking
2: about a two move checkmate or a four move
1: i think it's a it's the two move where you move
2: yeah that's like that's like the forced mate if you're playing black Yeah. yeah yeah yeah
1: What's that called, though? Isn't that called, like, the scholar's move or something like that? I
2: don't know. All I know is it, like, doesn't really happen. <laughs> it, no, it never happens yeah, unless yeah. you're playing against <laughs> someone who doesn't know how to play chess. Yeah, you normally have to, like, intentionally make... You have to be trying to lose to do that. Shepherd's Mate is the first, like, forced mate. That's, like, four okay. moves in. But, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which one's the shepherd's Mate again?
2: Um, It's a queen and bishop on the C pawn. That's, no, oh, on, on the okay, pawn. Okay, that's the one yeah. I'm
1: thinking of then. Because you can you basically just trap him and I'll open up his... Once their pawn goes away, you have the queen going right for the king, double mated with the bishop at an angle going to the to wherever he would move out of that.
0: Hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, dude, chess is awesome, man. Do you it play is, online chess like that? Chess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sixty I second use, chess yeah. or whatever.
2: Sixty Yeah, that's pretty fast. But yeah, yeah, I, I like playing online. Okay, I yeah. just
0: I remember reading a book Just.com. and like this one dude plays like that the quickest chess and it's just kind of like i don't know blows my mind he plays against like ai and he's trying to beat you never win but you gotta
2: yeah yeah Yeah. like i've i played a grandmaster once which was crazy i mean these people are paid to play chess and everything they show up to like state competitions um i had five minutes on my clock so i had five minutes to play the game he had one second on his clock that would recur for each um move and so he had to make his move within one second he would basically be moving his piece before i even finally placed mine like he he kicked my ass right so but i mean it was insane right like i was i was a good first board. i was playing i was smart i was like 1800 um at like my peak rating it's good but uh this guy was like 2600 he was just you know he would make a move like before, before I was even done making mine, like it, it was, uh, that mine's racing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's predicting and it's racing. <laughs>
1: Dude. My mind can never think that fast. <laughs> that is, I'm out. That is I'm a, a lot simple of thinker. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. And the crazy thing is like normally when you're playing chess, um, you're playing somebody who's close to equally skilled. So you're trying to play against the best move that they could play. This guy was playing against what he thought my level of thought was playing. Mm. So he wasn't thinking of the best moves that could possibly be made on the board. He was thinking of like, what is this kid thinking the best move is going
0: to be? Yeah, he he sees you make three moves. He's like, ah, he's one of these players. Yep, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is where he's at on the scale. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. Yeah, so chess has been a challenge for you too, right? So you've been uh, working your way up the ladder and... Uh, become a little bit better every single time, challenging yourself against grandmasters. I mean, come on, that's, yeah. that's elite in itself. Uh, we want to challenge ourselves against grandmasters in podcasting. And we're going to do, <laughs> and we're going to do, and we're going to do that this through the... <laughs> people inside your circle. These are people that are maybe you're like your closest friends or someone that you think is a reach guest for us. We want to tap into inside the Josh circle. Who do you want us? Who do you want us to go out and get on the show? Hmm. Yeah.
2: Uh... <laughs> somebody I know or just somebody... You can
0: take it any route you want. Like, yeah. In, if they're in the Twin Cities, that's best case scenario for us because cool. we can have them in the studio. If they're if they're abroad, we'll travel to them or we'll buy them a plane ticket and fly them out here. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll go the length. We'll do anything for this company. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I'm going to tell you uh, one of those friends that I play chess with. Okay. Uh, okay. Peter. Um, he has a startup based out of Minneapolis, started at uh, uh, the University of, um, uh, yeah, uh, Minnesota. U of M? Yep, yep, yep.
1: They call it the U here.
2: The U, okay. Right, um, weird. Yeah, it's every state has its own, the U, yeah. University of, whatever. Not, not yeah. weird. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, not weird. Ty, <laughs> oh, yeah, ty goes to the U. Yeah, okay. Um, it says Villanova. Yeah. Uh, he's understand. supporting a new new university. Yeah, he's, okay. uh, ties, re- <laughs> ties in
1: the re- in the rebranding process. Shirts. Shirts. Gotcha. Gotcha. We've all been there.
2: <laughs> um Peter. Yeah. Yeah, Peter. Um, awesome. He has an app called Plyo that's based off of
3: Yeah. Do you I, want to say it? No. Well it's your podcast, but <laughs> I, I don't know much about it. I just know you can go to the gym and get like these points and they serve as discounts for food and other places.
0: Oh yeah, uh I've heard it. Yeah, I know, I know some people that use it. Yeah, he's okay. awesome.
3: He's
2: trying to scale it across all the Big 10 right now. Um so yeah, uh you should definitely have Monies, the one of the guys I play chess with. Absolutely. Oh, Challenge wow. accepted. Well Deal. done. You still go to you? Uh Peter? Me? Peter. Oh, Peter? Yeah. No, he dropped out. Oh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> What's his last name? Uh Schultz. Peter Schultz. Yep. Okay.
1: So write that one down. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Okay, and then uh so at this point in the podcast, this is when we like to congratulate ourselves saying it. We've asked you a lot of good questions today. You've crushed it. It's been a really fun podcast. Yeah, good job. Um, yeah. yeah, thank you. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've been hammering you with questions all day. Do you have any questions for us?
2: Where do you want this to go? Ooh, good question.
1: Uh, it's similar to what Peter's trying to do and similar to what you're trying to do is scale the impact. Like It's gonna be, it's really fun to have uh, guests in the into this little studio. And the impact go to different places. We had a guy come on from Canada who's in school as a chiropractor. And our downloads in Camrose, Alberta, in Camrose, Alberta, were off the charts. Like we just tapped into this little conversation in the studio, hit big in his hometown of Alberta, Canada. So like that's that's really cool. And like it's fun to see that impact. But now like Andrew and I are really working together and trying to put our heads together on how we can scale this impact. And exactly in the same sense of you is like, how can you scale the impact, but keep back pocket what it is. So that's really, really where we're at. And Andrew, I mean, you could tap in a little bit more onto what that is. Like, what is that impact?
0: Mm -hmm. And it's really revolves around us being the best versions of ourselves. The back pocket has always been a reflection of who Declan and I are as people, um, so it's kind of like this mirror image mentality that we like to uh, to tagline ourselves as as the back pocket and mm-hmm. use that as the crux and the launch pad of scaling the impact. Make sure that we are our best selves so that uh, people see us radically transparent and they want to buy into that. And if we can do that through public speaking, through more efficient marketing, um, various type of avenues to slowly continue grassroots growth we're not trying to become the number one podcast tomorrow we want to touch that one person and that one person will reach out to hopefully five and kind of do it that way because that's longevity that's going to be the most rewarding way to do it that's where we want to take it awesome Mm
1: -hmm. and and to andrew's point like we're working on ourselves trying to be like live with that radical transparency but our whole podcast is always tailored to the guests so this is josh sheffner's podcast talking about himself and as radically transparent as you are, which you were today, which was phenomenal, that will then translate to a really, really good product in a
0: podcast. So it's our job. It's, it's a great environment so the guest wants to be that transparent because we're only as good as the guests. guests. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So we build off of the guests as we go.
1: And then, then obviously the next step is how do you scale that impact? Well, you gotta have like sort like money and different things like that. So aligning with brands that buy into you to then act as a sponsorship deal and go through kind of our content creation basically what Declan's saying he's
0: pitching you yeah we're pitching <laughs> do you want to <laughs> sponsor no just kidding. do you want to sponsor us yeah we'd
1: love uh, we'd love sponsorship so yeah.
0: <laughs> i'll put
2: a bowl of dried fruit here every day yeah. no worries so, yeah. <laughs> there you go Mark, like, if that's yeah. if
1: that's what it takes then perfect amen, amen to that. that's all we'll do yeah. we'll even start a little fire <laughs> with uh the uh charcoal coconut so that, that's going to have to happen that's as that, well.
0: That's a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah. So I'm glad we spent this hour to basically get to the point of uh, sponsorship. So thank you. That was big. That's pretty much <laughs> boys. We did it. We did it. We got cool. our, we got our bits. We got our commitment. We're out. So yeah. we're good. <laughs>
0: um, but that brings us to our final question. Any final questions from yeah, Tyler, you you got
1: any other killers? Cause that was a sick question. I really, yeah. really appreciated that dude. No, I don't. You're good. Tyler runs his own podcast too, by the way.
3: Yes. yes. Quick plug on your podcast. Hi, how they're here. It's a business podcast about entrepreneurs in the Midwest. Love cool. to have you on. My yeah. people talk to your people. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, no. he, awesome. his, his is a good podcast. I yep. highly awesome. recommend it.
0: But uh, final question here, Josh. What did you learn today? Simple question from the time that you woke up to when we we're having this conversation. Hmm. It's pretty early in the day, so.
2: Yeah. Uh, out of the many things I did this morning. So I woke up, ate breakfast, came here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Did you lime over here? Uh, no, I didn't. Dad. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I learned that hmm. sorry (laughs) totally uh caught off guard with that uh one of my employees his name is francis he works in uganda um i learned just how hard it is for him to do his job like he it was such a subtle thing he said but uh he called me at like midnight he's like hey i'm about to get on the bus to kampala which is you know central uganda which is the southernmost point it doesn't make any sense but he's from like the northernmost point of uganda it's like a nine hour bus ride you're three people packed like this like yeah right here um it's 6 a.m he's like hey i just did what i needed to do in kampala i gotta get back on the bus and like that was his day of work it was the bus ride doing like the two business things he needed to do for us and then he need, needed to get home. So, and that was like another nine hours. So, that was 20 hours spent because he needed to do two tasks just because, like, those resources aren't where he's from. So, wow. Yeah. That's like, global. Yeah. That clicked a little bit today. Man. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm speechless. That's a seri- yeah. That's
1: yeah. a serious problem. So, then, I mean, realistically looking at that situation, then you basically. Now have to come up with a different solution for him to do his job, Mm -hmm. where that doesn't take 20 20 hours for two tasks.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's hard. Like you know, managing that international team isn't what I'm doing every day. Uh, That's actually what my roommate right now is. You know, it's he's the one who's helping all of them and scheduling all of that. Yeah, it's gonna be hard, but like the goal is to find a way where he can spend a week there and then doesn't have to show up for a month, Mm. and we can force all of our other partners to schedule all of their stuff to just be during that week yeah i think that's my idea okay but like it's so hard we we yeah. so many things we do have to adapt to like the local context that we're in so sometimes it is that hard we're uh, he's a great employee but he's just not living in the right spot but mm-hmm. we can't like ask him to move because that's whole family it's you know just like <laughs> it's, it's a <laughs> learn,
0: it's a life it's a learning process yeah it's yeah. ebbs
2: and flow strikes and gutters ups and
0: downs it's it's the trial and error process of the entrepreneur lifestyle and business model you have to figure out what works and what doesn't and there yeah. are things you got to cut and things you get to add but uh that ends our time here on the podcast yeah thank Josh you, Schaffner, you thank you so much yeah. for joining the back pocket
2: thank you guys it's been awesome <laughs>
1: She's a star, gazer. You can see the look in her eye. She's
3: a dream, Jason. She's made up her mind, made up her mind. Just watching her now. Everything she says, I'm going to have to try and catch her now.